Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. Welcome everybody to our 10 o'clock service. Everybody that's joining us online today, wherever you are watching from, it's an honor to have you, Facebook, YouTubers, glad to have you back. Come on, let's give our online folks a hand right now. Yeah, if you miss a message, you can go to our podcast, anywhere podcasts are streamed, you can find Promised Land Sermon podcast there and, and catch it. We also have YouTube archives on there as well. My name is Robin Steele, senior pastor here at Promised Land, and um, my wife and I are honored, honored, honored to have you here. I enjoyed shooting that little clip. I fulfilled a lifelong dream of being a cowboy. And I can't wait for you to see. We're covering three movies this year. If you want to go do some homework and watch them, True Grit is where that one is coming from. The Greatest Showman and Flaming Hot, which is available on Disney Plus and Hulu. Uh, but it's going to be a great time to invite your friends, relatives, neighbors, and all of that. Uh, if you're brand new, maybe this is your first time, second time to Promised Land, you're, uh, you, you haven't heard about what's going on here, I want to encourage you to stop off in the foyer on your way out today. You'll see a, a big display that's going to give you a lot more background information of what I'm talking about today. You're kind of coming in at, at um, the conclusion of this sermon series that we're calling On This Rock. And um, at the conclusion of the service today... We're all going to be given the opportunity to give a financial offering towards this initiative that we're having. And it's in our culture every week to give financially, so it's nothing new. But uh, today is starting this season of giving. We're calling it a season of giving, really. It's kicking off today where people are actually taking uh, a financial gift and giving it to God towards this initiative that we have over the next three years to expand some things that are happening at Promised Land. That's where the money will be going to. We're also going to be uh, building an orphanage in Mexico and uh, have lunch tomorrow with the uh, director and pastor down in Mexico. Can't wait to get more information back to you and share with him both ways on what God's doing through you in Mexico. And uh, so, uh, today we're going to do something that we haven't done in almost four years at the end of the service. We're actually going to be passing the plate down the, uh, the aisles and the rows. Actually, it's not a, bu- a plate, it's a bucket. Um, and so, giving you the opportunity to physically partake in this. Last week was a beautiful uh, time when families brought commitment cards to the front and laid them down on the altar here as a sign of commitment to what God's doing at Promised Land through them. As of this morning, 208 families have given a commitment towards this. And I asked Irene, like, how many families have we had this year, just in 2023, give something, just anything financially that we have on record she said over a thousand different households have given something that may be 50 cents or 50,000 or whatever. Uh, so um, I know that 
In any given weekend, about half of the people that call this their church home attend. So there's another half of the church that's not here, and it takes several weeks for everyone to get here because of vacation, work, sick, whatever. And so that's why I'm saying to last week was the first Sunday of commitment. So if you have not given a commitment card yet, either digital or paper, um, I want to welcome you into that. Uh, just because you weren't here last week doesn't mean you don't have to give a commitment or can't give a commitment. Put that card up on the screen real quickly. I want to show you basically what that is all about. This is the card. They're in the seat backs in front of you in case you haven't uh, had one yet. The bottom line there is the commitment. So the bottom line is a three-year commitment. They're saying this is the amount of money that me or my household can give over the next three years towards this on this rock initiative. And then the, the, the top line is a portion of that three-year commitment that you could give right now. So some people are able to give a bigger chunk right now. Some are needing to wait. Um, that second middle line there is the balance of whatever's left over after this first initial offering that you can spread out, spread out over the next three years. So the first line is what I can give like this month, today, next week, whenever. And then whatever's left over of that three-year commitment, you can stagger it out weekly, monthly, annually, other. And uh, so that's what that looks like. We, we were trying to do the math on a few of these cards this week, and it was very complicated. We couldn't figure the math out, so I thought I'd just give you a little explanation uh, if you're new to that and you hate math. So, um, what does first fruits mean? What does first fruits mean? That's a very biblical term. Some of you never heard that before. What's a first fruits offering? Well, I want you to think about it in this way. You, you've got somebody that you want to invite to your house for a meal and um, somebody you look up to, somebody that means a lot to you. Could be a could be a family member, could be a neighbor, a co-worker, maybe somebody famous, like you've always wanted to have dinner with the president or, you know, Martin Luther King. So it could be somebody deceased, whatever, just somebody that's really, really important and, like, I want to sit down and have a meal with them. You, first of all, clean the living room, right? Clean the dining room, clean everything where they're going to be. Stuff it in a closet somewhere. Hopefully they don't open that door and everything falls out. Uh, put it in your bedroom where they're not going to go. You make sure the house is clean. They come in. You welcome them. Hey, so glad you're here. They sit down at the dining room table, and you go to the refrigerator, and you pull out the leftovers. Tupperware, old beans, wilted lettuce, iced tea you made a couple weeks ago. It's still sitting in there. Why is it there? Uh, put it in the microwave. Heat it up part cold, part hot, put it on the table, right? That's what we do, right? No, that's not what we do. We don't give leftovers to people that we're trying to honor, people that we're trying to impress or love on or pay our respects to. Instead, we think about what's that one meal that we always get right, What's that one thing? This is not a night to experiment. We're not going to try new recipes tonight. We're going to cook that one thing that everybody likes, and we're going to do that tonight. That's what we do. Or we go cater in some food for those of you that don't want to cook at all. 
We find the best and we give it our best. When it comes to honoring God, Oswald Chambers said it like this, worship is giving God the best that He has given you. Be careful what you do with the best you have. Whenever you get a blessing from God, give it back to Him as a love gift. Take time to meditate before God and after blessing back to Him in a deliberate act of worship. Billy Graham stepped it up a notch and said, give me five minutes with a person's checkbook and I'll tell you where their heart is. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In his book, Master Your Money, a man named Ron Blue identified the five things, the five ways in a survey is the results of how people spend their money, use their money. First of all, they spend it. Spend it on whatever. Then pay bills and debt. Then pay taxes. Then save and invest. Then finally, give the leftovers away, if there are any leftovers. This is a very me-first list. And what first fruits is, God, God put that whole idea of first into the system of the world so that humans would know how to posture themselves towards God and themselves and others. And this is what a God-first list looks like. Number one, give it. Be generous. Number two, save and invest. Three, pay taxes. Four, pay bills and debt. And then whatever's left over, have fun with it. Spend it. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's no sinful to have a Rolex or to have a nice car or to go on vacation or eat nice restaurants or anything like that. As long as we have it in God's order. Unless God is first, we've got it backwards. This is really the way the Bible teaches us to live. Put God first. There's a lot of good things that are not sinful unless those good things become the main thing. A good thing can become a bad thing when it becomes the main thing. So, first fruits it starts off in the Bible in the book of Exodus, the 13th chapter. I want to read and uh, this one principle uh, happens twice in Exodus in, verse, in chapter 13 and chapter 34. And I want to read from chapter 34, verse 19. It says, the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Ooh, good over here. Really weak over here. Come on. Firstborn. firstborn. Yeah, the firstborn of every animal belongs to me including the firstborn males from your herds of cattle and flocks of sheep and goats. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son, human. No one, look at this, no one may appear before me without... An offering. You think God put that in there because God needs the offering? No. 
God doesn't need the offering. He is teaching humans the principle that we need to give an offering for our own spiritual health. Because the act of giving an offering and being generous and putting God first is the best for our own spiritual perception. God has all the things that He needs, and He does not need human stuff. But He knows that we need something in our life to keep us humble and submitted and trusting Him. And so He institutes this idea of sacrifice and giving uh, for us. Verse 26 is talking to the farmers. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. So this is where the first fruit technically came from. In Israel's culture, in the Old Testament, there were many different types of ways that people gave to God. The first was their tithe. That was the first 10% of everything that came in would go to God. Then, depending on the time of year, the festival that they were in, or maybe the time, uh, the year of like, they have a seven-year rotation of different types of festivals within each year. Each year had a theme. And so there were many different types of offerings that they gave on top of their regular systematic percentage giving. And the first fruits offering came every year at the beginning of the harvest uh, and that happened after um, Passover every year because that was the beginning of the harvest that was beginning to come in at early summer. So they had this first fruits offering. There's three layers basically uh, in this scripture of different uh, levels of giving. The first, God says, I want every firstborn. The firstborn is mine. Then he adds another layer to it and says, the firstborn males. Are mine. Then he adds a third layer to it and says, only clean animals are mine. So God makes this determination between clean animals and unclean animals. And basically, the, you can read about that in the book of Numbers, another Old Testament book that describes which animals are clean and unclean. And clean and unclean is not a physical on the outside thing. It's not like clean animals had different barnyard habits than unclean animals. It was basically the animals that you could eat versus the ones that you couldn't. And so God makes that determination. Firstborn males that are clean. So some of the clean animals that you've heard of a lot are the sheep, goats, cow, cattle. This is the first place in Scripture where we read anything about redemption. Something being redeemed. This is the first concept. Exodus 13 in Exodus 34, where God says, if you have a donkey, firstborn male donkey, God does not accept firstborn donkeys as sacrifices, so you sacrifice a lamb in the place of the donkey. The donkey was like the F-150 of the Israeli farm. It was the, it was the, the, the tool, the vehicle that you use to plow your fields and to take things to market. It was like the tractor. It was the vehicle. You could actually get on the donkey's back and ride it into town. So if you don't redeem the donkey, what about that scripture that says if you choose not to redeem the donkey with a lamb, 
then you should break its neck. Bizarre, right? Does God have something against donkeys that he just wants to break their neck? No, God does not have anything against donkeys. What he's saying is, if you don't redeem the donkey with the lamb, then you're better off breaking its neck and being out from under the curse of something that's not redeemed or clean. You don't want to be working with something that's unpaid for, that is unredeemed. The donkey will be a curse in your life and not a blessing if it's not redeemed with the sheep. And what's beautiful about the sheep sacrifice is that you could actually eat the meat after you sacrifice the lamb so it's not a waste. Exodus 13, 14 brings this all together. He, he says, in the future, your children will ask, what does all this mean? 2023, we're asking that question. Why all this stuff? Why all these processes? What's going on with this? And you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. So this is the concept right here in the Bible. It's probably the most clean and easy way to understand why you and I bring any sort of offering to God, whether that's our time, our talent, or our treasure, our money. We give to the Lord out of response because He's given so much to us. And it's really not, like financial stuff, it's really not about paying PC for the light bill, building buildings, paving parking lots, paying staff, or anything like that. It is really because God has given us his best, it is our opportunity and privilege then to put into his hands an offering as a posturing. It postures us. It puts us in the right humility and servitude and surrender. God has brought us out of a cursed position. Where has Jesus brought you from? God has brought us all from a path of destruction individually and as a human species out of a dark world and into the light. I would be completely not here and in a complete mess if it was not for Jesus. So many times in my life, I would mess up, mess up, mess up. And it was the grace of God and the mercy of God that brings me back. To the place of salvation. And I'm telling you, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would have never come back. I remember a time when I was in junior high and I was really testing the waters and really experimenting. Didn't really believe in God. It was, I was, you know, it was my rebellious seventh and eighth grade years. And I was really, I mean, the, I was off going this way. And I had a parent, my dad that spoke truth into my life and said, you're going in the wrong path, and if you don't correct it with surrendering to God, you're going to go way off the path. I'm so thankful that, for that conversation that brought me back to where God wanted me to be. I would, if it, I mean, I still make mistakes, and I'm so thankful for the grace of God. It's my honor and privilege to do anything for Him. To do anything. Pick up trash, clean, 
As soon as the third service is over, we're going to start working on the facility, getting ready for the young adults tonight to serve and allow this space to be a, a welcoming place for young adults. That's an honor and a privilege to give of that time and to sacrifice and to go to bed tired doing the work of God. It's also an honor and privilege to take money out of my bank account and separate myself from it, lose control of it, put it in the hands of God and allow Him to be honored by it and do something great for his kingdom. When Jesus lived on this earth, he really lived in obscurity for the first 30 years. This is a handful of people that knew him in the city of Nazareth. He really lived in obscurity, but one of the people that did know him was connected very closely was John. We call him John the Baptist. His mother, Elizabeth, and Mary were actually pregnant at the same time, so John the Baptist is just a few months older than Jesus. John comes on the scene earlier, and he's baptizing people in the Jordan River. And one of those days, while he was baptizing, there's a big group of people there, and he looks up into the crowd, and he sees Jesus standing in the back of the crowd. And, and John the Baptist steps into a prophetic role, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is God using John to prophesy over Jesus and basically sealing his fate to be the Lamb of God who takes on the sins, not just of one person here in this particular generation like this Lamb did, but he's the Lamb of God taking on the sins of all of us. Look at who Jesus is. Jesus is the firstborn of God. Jesus was a male, and Jesus was a lamb. He was clean. He was without sin and mistakes. And so Jesus is the perfect redeemer. He is the perfect sacrifice to be in substitution for all of us unclean folks. Jesus could not be redeemed, but had to be sacrificed. The unclean, us, could not be sacrificed, but had to be redeemed. Even if you and I were to say, you know what, I'll be nailed on the cross, I'll go, I'll go through that death. If you and I were to go through that 18-hour grueling process of being nailed to the cross and hanging until we died, until we asphyxiated on our own lungs being collapsed and filled with fluid and blood and all of that and died on the cross that horrible thing, even if you did that, you would not be able to save yourself from your sins because you are not an acceptable sacrifice. You are dirty. You are unclean. It is only Jesus that is able to take on the sins of the world because he's the lamb and you're the donkey. I want to use the King James Version and say you're the ass. I didn't have the courage to say that at 8.30 because they're a little more sensitive. <laughs> Jesus is the lamb. You're not. Let's just say that. Are we, we're streaming this service. Let's <laughs> mark that, please, and we'll figure that out. All we do now is we express we express our trust in the fact that Jesus 
was the lamb for us. We, we say, yes, Jesus, I believe you did that for me. Yes, I put my trust in you. I am not my own savior. I need salvation. I am a sinner. And Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you that you're the perfect lamb of God and that you gave your life for me. When human beings do that, when we put our trust that Jesus is the Savior, not just of the world, but of me, Jesus, you saved me and you saved this world, I trust in you, that welcomes us into the eternal family of God and we can live with God forever and ever and ever in the new heavens and the new earths because of our faith in what Jesus did for us. Isn't that beautiful? And so life changing the way we live our life from that moment reflects that point of view and that posture and position of humility i am not my own savior i'm in the hands of god i'm a son of god i'm a daughter of god i humbly submit to you jesus as the king of my life and the lord of my life And it is now my radical obedience towards you, God, that is my appropriate response. My appropriate response to the Redeemer of the world is my steps of obedience that walk towards him. Those steps of obedience are not salvific. They don't save you. You are saved by the blood of Jesus. But they are super important. Something doesn't have to save you for it to be important. You do take steps of faith towards God in obedience because you love him so much, because you are honoring him, because he means so much to you. It is our recognition that the most important things in life are not things. The most important thing, entity, being is God. And he sent his only begotten son so that you and I would not perish but have everlasting life. The most important things are not houses and vehicles and jewelry and possessions and bass boats and handguns. Come on. And coach bags and Rolexes. Those are not the most important things in life. Again, I said it earlier. Nothing sinful against those things when they're number five on the list. Come on. When God's first, you get all the things that you need. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. But if you seek the things, you'll never get the kingdom. You've got to have it in that order. That's what... That's what first fruits is all about. We don't live in the law any longer. Jesus fulfilled the law, and our whole faith is built on the fact that Jesus does fulfill the law. But Jesus didn't throw all that away. We still live in the principle of all of that. He said, he he counted off different commandments and says, the Old Testament says like this, but I say it like this. Jesus always elevated our response to his salvation to us. And so I'm calling, I'm calling on you and I'm hoping that if those of you that aren't aware of this, that you'll receive this today, 
the beautiful salvation of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray here in a minute. I'm going to welcome anyone who would like to call upon the name of the Lord. You're welcome to call on the name of Jesus today and be saved and be in the family of God today. And then I want to welcome you into a life that is more beautiful than any other life. And it's the life of obedience. It's a life of taking steps of faith that cost you something that actually is heavy and difficult and, and beautiful all at the same time. That God will never leave you. God will never abandon you. This is not going to be the first church and the first generation that God forgets about. You're not going to be the first people that give sacrificially to God. Like, well, I did it for everybody else, but not for Promised Land San Marcos. Nah, I just don't like them. God is a covenant keeper, and he has to keep his covenant because he said he would. And God's not a liar. He's going to keep his end. So I want to encourage you to think about how you and your family can be a part of what we're doing here at Promised Land. If you were unable to give a commitment card last week, I want to encourage you while we sing this song to take that card that's in front of you out. And as the bucket goes by today, to put that commitment card into the bucket as it goes by. I mentioned earlier we have about 205, 208 families that have surrendered a commitment card and an act of worship to God. And we're about halfway to the commitment that we need in order to move forward phase two. So I want to encourage you. There's still a lot. God's blessed us with a lot, but there's still a long way to go. I want to encourage you to put that commitment card. And then everybody that's able to put actual check, uh, we have, I think, at least 80% of you give online digitally. And so you haven't put anything in that box or in a bucket in a long time because you're texting to give or you're giving online, giving on the website, whatever. That's wonderful. Keep that's awesome. Um, and we'll put the QR code up for the commitment card. And if you need to give today digitally, you can do that by going to our website. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing this song. And as we sing the song, they're going to pass a bucket. They're going to give a bucket to every row. In every row, all you got to do is just pass the bucket down. They'll pick it up on the other end of your row. stepping into the story of God. Instead of this being something on the outside of you that you just observe. When we surrender our heart, when we take communion, when we sing, when we, when we give financially, we're stepping into the story of God and saying, Lord, I'm a part. I want to be a part. I'm, I'm, I'm humbling myself before you today and joining millions and millions of other people right now that are surrendering their hearts all over the also joining up with millions and millions of other people and other generations before us and believing with them that Jesus Christ is our ultimate redeemer, that he's the one that has this all figured out. Would you stand to your feet right now and join me?
Father, I'm so honored and privileged to be a part of this church in this moment. I'm so honored and privileged, God, to be in this moment and to be able to, for Eric and I, to give ourselves the biggest offering we've ever given in our lives towards this. joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.